0: Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Rick Simmons, an award-winning podcast and communications coach. Rick has more than 25 years' experience in radio, both as a presenter and program director, and recently started Verbu, a communications training company that helps people become better communicators, whether that be public speaking, podcasting, broadcasting, or simply in one-to-one conversations. The art of effective communication is clearly something that every business leader should master. Whether it be in addressing your team, making a presentation or speaking at a conference, public speaking skills is a skill that unless you are a complete natural, requires practice, confidence, and sometimes just that little bit of bravery. But it's not only public speaking that's important, having a better understanding of the effects of things like the tone of your voice, facial expressions and body language can have a huge impact on both your professional and personal relationships. In this podcast, Rick tells us how best to present ourselves on digital platforms.
1: If I'm looking at the wall of people uh, who are on the Zoom call or Teams call or whatever it might be, I'm looking at the screen. I'm not looking at the camera. And that, that disconnect can be subtle, but make a real difference to how well your message is being received. Gives us
0: some great hints and tips on mastering public speaking.
1: It is that beginning, middle and end. It, it's having a really powerful start, having a really engaging start, knowing what the end is um, and knowing roughly where you need to be at the midpoint. And as long as you practice practiced it enough, you know, the, those little bits throughout will, will fill themselves in for you.
0: And reveals that despite repeated attempts, video still hasn't killed the radio star all the evidence
1: suggests that sort of the podcasting stuff and the gaming and the netflix and all that kind of stuff is actually ending up on top of the radio listening
0: if you want to know more about evolve then please do go to evolvemembers.com but for now let's get on with the show Welcome to the Evolved to Succeed podcast. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me to be a part of it, Warren. Yeah, well, I'm really intrigued to have this conversation with you, Rick, about all things voice, you know, have presented on conferences and stages, have run this podcast for nearly a year now, love kind of having conversations with people. So I'm really fascinated to learn from you and your experiences and what you've taken into your own business Verbu now about voice. I know you've got this really interesting kind of strap line, helping you find your voice on air, online and in person. So it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you. I understand that your journey to becoming a kind of communications coach started some 20 years ago when you were best man at your brother's wedding. Do you want to tell us that tale? Yeah, <laughs> well, I
1: can do. Uh, in fact, I, I suppose in a way, It's been going longer because uh, from the age of 11, I was obsessed about getting into radio and I was hanging around the local radio station from pretty much around that age. But it was that transition from the safety of the studio, that little padded room where you can talk to yourself and no one's looking at you and you can write every word you want to read out word for word, verbatim, knowing that you're going to get it spot on. And suddenly you're thrust in front of 40 people, in this case at my brother's wedding, And they're all people you care about. They're not anonymous people listening to the radio. They're they're people you know because they're family or friends or whatever it might be. And you want to do the best job for your brother. And guess what? That first time you do that big public speech, it is just bone-shakingly scary at least it was in my case Uh, and and you want to look as competent as you possibly can be you want to get your, your your message and your jokes across as best you can and at the end of the day you don't want to get thrown out for saying anything inappropriate either when it comes to wedding speeches so that was my first realization that I might be safe in a radio studio but put me out there in the outside world and actually it was a bit scary
0: yeah it is all a bit different isn't it and i'm sure we can recount the numerous kind of you know wedding speeches that we've heard that have been great and and there's clearly always been a few cringe-worthy ones as well but you then went on you talked then about you know age of 11 hanging outside the radio station a passion for radio so you've gone on to obviously have a very successful career throughout all aspects of radio including being a radio presenter So what did you learn about speaking from your years working within radio?
1: It was pretty much the reason why I had that passion to be, you know, waiting outside the doors at the age of 11. It's the fact that, And this has been the interesting thing about lockdown, the fact that you know there's that statistic that says something along the lines of something like um, 75%, 65, 75% of your communication is basically body language and the way you present yourself. About 20% of it is about tonality and tone of voice. And 5% of it is content. And whilst that isn't Exactly the right representation of the actual, the actual statistics and the actual findings. It, it's kind of you, you sort of do realise just what a difference uh, it makes. And for many of us, both in radio for years, or, or indeed for most of us in the last six nine months, we've had a huge amount of that part of our expression removed from us you know even if you are on a zoom call people generally will only see you from from the chest upwards uh, it'll be a badly lit room and actually you'll be pretty much focusing on the quality of your voice and the quality of the words you're saying and and i think both that is a a help and a hindrance in that yeah if you're used to using your body language to communicate them that can pose some challenges. But equally, from an early age, I I realized just the pictures you can create with your voice, with just sound, uh, to a certain extent, the brain fills in all the gaps. And it can be just a really powerful way of communicating uh, just that voice on the radio, just that sound or that music on the radio just makes the, the, the listener's mind engage so effectively and focus on what you're saying
0: yeah it's incredible isn't it you i suppose we'd all hark back to and even now you know radio stations we listen to and favorite djs and you know it's the voice that kind of brings you in isn't it it's the that entices you to listen listen more and i I suppose we were talking just before i hit record on this podcast you know we recording this remotely and i i absolutely agree with you that you know we're recording remotely we're using something called zencaster but we have no video so we can't see each other so all we're doing is sharing this conversation as we record it. And it is a different skill, isn't it? It is. I think one of the first
1: things that you you're handling very well and and, and I I sometimes forget to handle well is that visual cues. And once again, if, if it's a limited vision on on a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams call or whatever it might be, or it's no sort of visual connection whatsoever like it is in our case, uh, it is very difficult to get those cues. You're not seeing that person lean forward if they're interested or lean back if you're getting a little bit boring. I don't know right now if you're like leaning back kind of going, for heaven's sake, Rick, get on something more interesting.
0: So not yet, Rick. Maybe yeah. in a minute. <laughs>
1: so you you have that sort of lack of information available to you equally you don't know the cues of when somebody's trying to jump in and, and just make an observation in, in what you're saying or when they want to just sort of move you on a little bit none of that is available to you to a certain extent i think that radio experience that uh, that i've got and you know i've done what well over 25 years of, of of radio it actually does help you have a a better handle on handling interviews and conversations when you can't see that person
0: yeah it's been very strange for me a new experience since march since lockdown with me is i've been on half a dozen times on radio solent on their breakfast show yep. to talk about you know business and the effect on business on the very various government schemes and all of those kind of things, which is great to be recognised as an expert. But it's terrifying <laughs> knowing you're going out live and you know want to have some notes and preps and then the questions come. And it's just a terrifying experience, a great experience, and I've enjoyed it, but terrifying all the same. Well, it's, it's worth keeping in
1: mind that in those situations, and, and many of us have ended up in that uh, situation. And funnily enough, I was interviewed by Radio Solent what, about two or three years ago. Uh, I was working on one of the other radio stations in the area, and there was an event called Local Radio Day, which actually, at the time of us recording, actually happened just this Monday this year, but um, it's happened in previous years as well. And I was interviewed on uh, the Dorset side of uh, BBC Radio Solent, and... It was one of those hilarious ones where clearly they're having some problem with their technology. And they were, I could hear them faffing around in the background trying to make it all work. And they got me on with about 13 seconds to go. I, it sounded to me, although it came out just fine on the radio, it sounded to me like they were basically holding my phone up to the microphone or something like that. <laughs> um and the first question that was asked to me, my brain just went into a freeze mode. It was a, it was a really lovely but completely random and unexpected question, and I could just feel my ex jockey brain just filling with various words until I, uh, I actually got to um, the actual uh, sort of point, or at least kind of formulated a point whilst just saying random words that somehow seem to make sense and, and I guess that's that's part of the the years I've done in broadcasting. But yeah, I, I think um I, I think it is a little bit of a challenge and I think people are different. You get the people who stand up in front of a room of like a hundred people, a thousand people, eighty thousand people and feel perfectly good but hate being on the radio. Or equally the, the opposite way around. And if ever I offer advice to people doing interviews on the radio and bringing their expertise to to a a program, I always say it is that one-on-one conversation that you you are having that, even if you're talking as a radio presenter to the listener there might be thousands of listeners but you're talking to them as if it's a one-on-one conversation and ditto when you're doing an interview you know you're having a one-on-one conversation with the presenter and that and that that sometimes gets that nervousness down because at the end of the day it's just like you meeting somebody at a business breakfast remember when we could do business breakfasts
0: Oh, those were the days. Those are the days. That's a great tip, though. Just, you know, take away the technology. Take away who may or may not be listening and just enjoy the conversation when you're being interviewed. I suppose it applies on TV. Any form of media, doesn't it? Newspapers or on the radio. Just enjoy the conversation that you're going to have. I like that. It's a good tip. Sure. So let's turn to a sort of practical area for, you know, the listeners of this podcast. And we've talked about it once or twice already, Rick, is... Microsoft Teams, Zoom, those kind of platforms. Have you got some tips that we can use to better use those platforms and communicate better?
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, I'd, uh, I've recently been doing some some free sort of hour long trainings on all of this. So it, it has been, I think, a learning process for millions of us, you know, across the world to really get our heads around the likes of Zoom and, and good ways of presenting on it. There are a number of elements in there. There's firstly the the camera side of things uh, and that is making sure that the lighting is good uh making sure that uh, you know you're you're nicely in frame as i say sort of from the chest upwards tends to be quite good they can then see your mannerisms with your hands uh they can see your facial gestures you know strongly and and it just sort of you know means that you you're having a good personable uh, way of communicating one of the other things that Lots of people don't consider because when you're having that conversation with a real human being one on one, you're looking at their eyes, if you're feeling appropriately brave enough, you're certainly looking at their face and When you're talking to them, they can see you looking at them because you're talking to them. The minute you put a bit of technology in the way, and my iPhone, if I put it on landscape mode, the camera is to the left. Um, On my laptop, which I'm talking to you on now, uh, the the camera is at the top. So if I'm looking at the wall of people uh, who are on the Zoom call or Teams call or whatever it might be, I'm looking at the screen. I'm not looking at the camera. And that, that disconnect can be subtle but Mm -hmm. make a real difference to how well your message is being received so if there's a point that you're on one of these calls and you really want to get your point across really well don't look at the people listening on the screen make sure you know where your camera is and communicate it straight into that uh, into that camera as if you're a a tv presenter you know who, who needs to look directly into the camera and that will create that much more personal connection that that, that's important in these sort of strange digital times
0: i love that and that i suppose that does start to convey as you say that some of those non-verbal kind of communication techniques we use in everyday life don't you even i'm sat here now my hands are moving and all those things you can't see it but yeah we all use body language don't we as you referred to already and it's just yeah you do miss it sometimes even on on things like zoom where you have got a camera there you have also given some sort of instruction i dare not ask this question really but you're also giving some coaching instruction on a podcast and you've got your own podcast rick i've been listening to the episodes they're great what do you think makes a good podcast in this day and age that's really tough uh, i do have I do have a,
1: a a thing that I say quite often, where I say the great news is that anybody can do a podcast, and the really bad news is that anybody can do a great can do a podcast because there are something like I think I, I read a stat somewhere recently that said something like 1.2 1.3 million podcast series are out there, and that sort of just feels like just utterly immense. But then when you consider that the majority of them haven't been updated in forever many of them are like just single episodes and and that person gave up straight afterwards and and then you're talking more than 300,000 podcasts and suddenly 300,000 podcasts in the world doesn't feel too too bad it feels actually quite manageable you think about how many radio stations or tv stations there must be out there so that that kind of um suddenly sort of makes you realize that actually there's there's an exciting opportunity there because the truth is is that you know, 7.1 million people as of March last year were surveyed in the UK as listening to a podcast every week. And that was pre-lockdown. That was before, you know, the continued increase in smart speakers. And you've seen... The likes of what Google are doing uh, and the likes of Amazon are doing with uh, their investment into podcasting, and equally Spotify really getting into that 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 game as well. So the audience is increasing, and and I think there is lots of space for everybody to be there. But but you're you're absolutely right. The, the challenge is cutting through and getting um, getting your message out there. So for me being a bit of an audio purist i think actually audio is important the quality of the of the audio you you make is important i'm not saying that it has to be absolutely perfect but you know you've got that weighing up of Great quality information versus great quality quality audio. If the the information isn't that great, but the audio quality is good, you might just get away with it. Equally, if the the information itself is really great, but the audio quality is a bit duff, then you probably will get away with it. It's that sort of gray middle area that many people fall into. And I think that, that causes a real challenge. So that's m- my first sort of suggestion for people uh, making their own podcasts. You don't have to spend a fortune. Just maybe, just don't record it into an iPhone. Maybe get a, an external mic for a, for a hundred quid or something like that. That is well worth it. And the the other thing is just to have a structure and have a bit of direction to it. In that. You know, if you listen to a, and I bring my sort of radio experience to the fore here, and I, and I kind of go, when you listen to a radio station, they're encouraging you to carry on listening for another five, 10 minutes. They're coming out the hour in a breakfast show, they're going to tell you what's going to happen that's going to entertain you five, 10 minutes from now. And so many podcasts go in with the same pre recorded opener uh, that goes on forever. Uh, um, <laughs> that everybody hears every week. It's very rarely updated or, 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 or gives you any particular new interest. And then they don't explain why this is a great interview they've done or, or they've got a great bit of content coming up. So that opportunity to, within the first minute, grab the listener and say, hey, you stumbled across this this podcast. You've either been recommended it or you have done the right kind of Google search. And that's a whole nother conversation about making sure you've got any keywords in, in the in the podcast description. But getting that message getting that reason to carry on listening right there in the first minute, coming up the three most important things about making a podcast or whatever, we will tell you all you need to know in the next 10, 15 minutes then that's much more effective than just sort of wombling in and, and finding out a little bit about your interviewee's background. And then then you're three, four minutes in, and, and they've told you about their life, and you still haven't got to any kind of meat of the story or the information, and equally you haven't told anybody there's any meat or, or, or that kind of information on the way. So it, it's really important to keep that engagement going, give them a reason to carry on listening.
0: Rick, I like that. And there's one of the things that your podcast, are uh, short, sweet, Informative, but they've got real structure to them, and I understand why now. <laughs> well, the,
1: the, the other thing about that is, you know, lots of people ask me you know, what duration should the podcast be, and I kind of go, "The the duration should be whatever the duration should be." There's there's far too many people out there who've been told not to do a sixty minute podcast, but have got the most amazing conversation where there's no edits required. There's there's nothing in there that you'd want to lose because it's all gold. Great, make it a sixty-minute podcast, but don't try to make a thirty-minute podcast out of what is frankly ten minutes worth of material. Uh, and 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 that is the thing, you know, make make it the length of what the information is. And and yeah, my my podcast is just because I'm you know running about like a man thing on a on a daily basis. I write. A couple of blogs a week uh, and because I write them in a conversational style they're easily turnable into a a podcast and and it normally ends up about sort of 10 minutes or thereabouts and I am hoping that there's some great takeaway information in there but that's not taking up too much of anybody's uh, time or, or day because we're all busy people yeah perfect
0: well we'll go on to talk about public speaking and all of those kind of things in a moment Rick but I'm just interested to, you know, with your extensive radio career and experience and running radio stations and all of those kind of things, and, you know, with podcasts becoming to the fore and, you know, the Amazon Alexa and Google Home and you know, podcasts being promoted and encouraged to be listened to on those kind of devices, do you think there is a future for radio? What and if so, what is the future for radio? 1979
1: buggles brought out the track video killed the radio star and ever since there have been so many newspaper headlines that have been xxx killed the radio star and the the, the truth is is that you know radio has been around for 130 years or, or thereabouts i can't quite remember when it was invented when it started but you know out came the cinema and people weren't everybody's going to go to the movies they're not listen to the radio anymore and and people didn't abandoned radio and then you saw television come along and the same questions were asked and these saw video games and videos and dvd hiring and then you end up with music streaming services and with spotify and with you know all these computer options you know my i've got, a, got an eight-year-old who is you know really into his nintendo switch and all that kind of stuff and you kind of go well there's only so many hours in the day people are going to start dipping away from radio. And look, I I, I am, I don't have the ability to look into the future, but still, you know, circa 88, 89, 90% of the UK listens to the radio every week. And all the evidence suggests that sort of the, the podcasting stuff and the gaming and the Netflix and all that kind of stuff is actually ending up on top of the radio listening. Yet maybe the, the the hours spent listening to the radio perhaps decreasing a little bit. And maybe we might be talking 20, 30 years from now and things might look very different. But it does fascinate me that when lockdown happened, the increase in smart speaker listening to radio stations went absolutely through the roof, and that was both commercial and the b b c were were um were trumpeting that and and I saw it where I was at the radio station I was at the time. I could just see this massive increase of of, of smart speaker listening and that 's the truth you know people get their their smart speakers and they spend the first five ten days. Getting it to you know tell you that the, the capital of Japan or something like that, and asking it to do a, a recipe involving three eggs or something, and then over time, you start sort of going back to your, your standard approaches. You, you you probably will be saying, rather than worrying about you know, getting it to play a specific track, you just turn around, you're going to go. I'm, I'm not going to say the name of the, the smart speaker because it'll just kick off, but A L E X A, that one, please play whatever it is fm that you listen to and suddenly you'll be you'll be sitting there sitting with it on the background for an hour and a half so i think technology has the potential to actually you know even even develop radio but it's interesting watching all these other elements like podcasts massively expand as well both as individual separate propositions but also as brand extensions of what the radio stations are doing already I think the BBC is doing some really fascinating stuff I'm seeing the major commercial companies creating these offshoots of what they do on air uh, online and and it's paying paying dividends it's it's working for both the the good old-fashioned live radio and for the the digital future
0: yeah it is and I think BBC Sounds is a great example isn't it of them using their skills and their ability and their presenters to hone and specialize their content down to people's specific interests. And I think it's, it's remarkable actually to see how they're taking, you know, on that kind of world, I suppose. And I think that's the interesting thing. The fact is,
1: is that there are still people who, and and there are people getting their millions and millions of streams of their podcasts. and, and, And that's great because it potentially can make vast amounts of revenue for them. And can be very entertaining as well. They're very, very popular sort of radio shows in podcast form, as it were. But equally, you get the people who are maybe getting 20, 30 listens a week. But those are really warm leads, if you're talking about it from a business point of view. These are either people who know and like you already, and you're giving them value with the information you're sharing, or they have searched for the right words that have brought them to your podcast uh, and, and so potentially they are they are leads for you and and potentially in time they'll end up doing business with you so from the business side of podcasting you know i don't believe it always has to be all about the numbers it, it, it's it's sort of a little bit about quality rather than
0: quantity in a lot of cases and i think it's like anything isn't it? it's work out why are you doing it what's your purpose what's you know yeah what's your why and and work out is it for a passion? Is it for a belief? Is it to put your opinions out there? Is it to have some great conversations with some interesting people that you wouldn't normally get to speak to? You know, what is it that you're looking to achieve? And just make sure you're focused on that because yeah, it's a time-consuming pastime, as it were, or venture to get into, but there's some great benefits from doing it. Yeah, I I really like you putting it that way, Warren. Totally agreed. So let's go back to the real world, because one day. People are going to be able to attend weddings en masse. People will be able to speak at conferences. People will have, um, I can remember some of my first presenting in front of a group of people was within an office environment, a a kind of a team away day in front of 30, 40 people when I worked for a corporate, you know, they're all nerve wracking kind of situations, aren't they? And I'm just intrigued to learn from you some, again, some tips to what you would consider to be good public speaking and perhaps then we can go on to how you can overcome the nerves sure okay well uh, i think the most the most important
1: thing and, and and it does sort of talk to the nerves a little bit that a nerves are quite useful. A level, a level of nervousness is is probably a good thing. I, I don't think many of us have done anything we've truly excelled at. Um, it's a little bit outside of our comfort zone without a, a little bit of, of nervousness. I think that does help the performance. But it is about just well, a it's it's about making sure that you go in there prepared, because uh, there's nothing worse than the than the the speech or what, whatever it might be that you're doing that that hasn't been rel- relatively prepared, because that can be you know the first downfall, and it, it's
0: knowing that beginning, middle, and end. And I was going to say, Rick, you know, when you say prepared, is that scripted? Do you think, or is it just knowing the kind of flow, or does it again differ? And it from person to person Do you know it's weird and it's like, it takes me back to my
1: my radio days when i was a radio presenter and i would be writing every single word out and i'd be making sure i had absolutely the right inflection and i get absolutely the right timing and exactly the right pace um and when i transitioned to the more sort of real world when i was standing up in front of people i found that that ability to not be reading off a piece of paper, <laughs> <you> know, <having laughs> a single word, a lot tougher. So the simple answer is, generally, don't, certainly don't read it word for word. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I do, and it probably speaks a little bit to how uh, I have that sort of background of the way that I used to do it as a presenter. I genuinely write on a computer in a conversational style, and I will rehearse it and almost memorise it, for want of a better word, like an actor. And and quite often it'll come out 99.9% the same words. But that means hours of preparation, and that's not always the ideal um, way to go forward. the The main thing is that you end up approaching the entire speech with a bit of concentration on just the key areas you're going to go from so it it is that 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 classic thing of holding three or four cards in your hand with the the key areas you want to speak about but not much more than that
0: Great. Right. So that gets preparation. What about delivery? Well, you know what? I'm,
1: I'm delivering this to you right now from my little home studio. And, and, and the one thing that you really want to do is be utterly focused on what you are meaning to say and where you want to go and just what you'd practiced previously. I, I, I share that with you now because just as I was just finishing that last bit, the window cleaner has started uh, cleaning the window right in front of my face. I,
0: I hear something in the background. Rick. Yes,
1: so suddenly out of nowhere came this, this red brush because I'm on the first floor up. And he's obviously doing it on the end of a pole. And and suddenly you kind of... And it, 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 it's a good thing for me to remember because I was completely distracted by that and uh, and had to sort of really sort of struggle through the last couple of paragraphs because i was like what 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 the heck is going on so yeah. trying to ignore that and trying to allow for um you know distractions in the in the corner of my eye that is one of one of the key things when 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 you're up there you know try to just get in the zone and, and be all about deli- delivering that speech um i mean if i were to offer some some other words on on delivery uh, one important area is to just keep checking in with yourself as to your pace. And and it's well worth recording yourself ahead of time and making sure that... Uh, you know, you're comfortable with the speed at which you're talking. I have a tendency to talk far too fast, especially when I'm trying to remember all the words in my head before they all spill out and I lose them all. Uh, Otherwise, I'm at risk of being, you know, mid-sentence and I've sort of lost half my words. So it's really important to check that pace matches your delivery. It's, It's useful to know the 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 really strong words that you're going to be using and and bring those out. So if there's a powerful word you intend to use, really sort of emphasise that word and, and really, really make that shine through. And yeah and as I I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted by the bloke cleaning the window that it is it is that beginning middle and end it it's having a really powerful start having a really engaging start knowing what the end is um and knowing roughly where you need to be at the midpoint and as long as you've practiced it enough you know those little bits throughout will will fill themselves in for you you should be okay
0: yeah I use it interestingly I use a combination of those things. If it's you know it depends what it is but if it is a conference kind of speech then i will start to script it you know then i'll read it and then i'll kind of forget the scripts and then do it without the script and then i'll record it and actually this is going to sound really sad uh, i'm not sure i'm going to admit to this <laughs> and then i'll listen to it a few times while i'm driving in the car because i've recorded it and it just starts to sink into the subconscious so by the time i actually present. I've got the key themes in my head and I could be quite relaxed then on stage. And with, like you say, the few cue cards that just remind me, don't forget these points. And uh, and it works, doesn't it? Absolutely. I,
1: I, Funny enough, actually, I found one of the, having done it enough times, one of the best things I did was start not taking the notes up with me. Because mm. at the point that I knew that I knew it going up without the notes meant that I knew I didn't have that fallback and somehow my brain clicked. I'm not suggesting that that for the first time of trying. And and if there's sort of any sort of nervousness, then no, I'm not recommending that. But it was interesting. The minute I removed my fallback, but I was confident enough in what I was saying, It it really helped out. I wonder if it might be worth um, just mentioning a little bit about uh, mannerisms and and and, st- and the way you stand and stature and all that kind of stuff when it when it comes to the point when we're all allowed out again.
0: Yeah, that would be brilliant, Rick, because I was going to actually talk about personality and how do you get your mannerisms and personality across because so many people that are experienced speakers do that so well and it's engaging, but a lot of people starting out speaking in public for the first few times, stand like a statue don't they maybe and and don't come across with their normal natural exuberant sort of personality I think you're absolutely right and quite often they they sort of go into
1: the this is how I'm supposed to be so most importantly yeah but be yourself as best you can you know and and that's always been my style I've always you know as I say I've, I've written all my blogs in that kind of conversational manner because that's my style and 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 I can hear myself talking and then I then put it onto the blog later on uh, sorry onto the podcast a little bit later on and it's it's kind of it ends up being you know sort of that same sort of conversational style which suits me but wouldn't wouldn't suit anybody else um you know in my time I have written scripts for uh, various people on various radio shows you know those christmas specials when they have the celebrities in to present a couple of shows and yes. i found myself sort of channeling uh, alfie moon a uh, true story um you know, and, and just just trying to to write like they would perform um and it's actually kind of a sort of strange thing to do in your head and actually kind of quite fun but but yeah ultimately if if you are being yourself on stage be yourself on stage uh, the I mean, the the most important thing is that it's that open stature. The more you can keep your arms out, the more you can use your sort of hands to express yourself and to not be stuck on the spot. There, there is that sort of that 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 podium grip where people just hold on to the podium if they've got one of those and they just don't let go and they don't move and they don't express themselves. And all they're doing is looking at their notes and then looking up at the microphone. If you can avoid that, if you can move around a little bit, that really helps. And then if you sort of really develop it, you can get the situation where um, you, you actually sort of use different parts of the stage to tell the story. So, and I'm using stage in a sort of loose term, you know, it could well be a, a you know, a hotel venue or a, or a boardroom at work or whatever it might be. It could be a space in an office, couldn't it? Absolutely. So if you're telling a story and you're telling, talking about the past, and you're talking about the present and you're talking about the future, sort of speak, speak whilst moving from one speaking position to another speaking position to that final speaking position. Equally, and you'll see comedians using this quite a lot. And um, Billy Connolly was amazing at this in the fact that he would find a spot on the stage where he would do a joke that really resonated and got great laughter. And he did that once or twice. And then every time he went back to that spot, it would make it even funnier. It's kind of anchoring that certain emotion you want from the audience. So... Uh, that that is that is an uh, absolute pro and an absolute legend doing doing something amazing and and incredibly advanced but if if there is a if there is a kind of communication you're trying to give where there's a point of laughter but there's a point of sadness then stand in different places for for that point of laughter and that point of sadness because it it will separate and people will realize something different is happening it's all subconscious of course but but, but it, it's well worth bearing in mind. And also it just means you're not standing there like you're sort of, you know, like you've somehow been frozen on the spot and it really just helps you loosen up. And frankly, probably helps you be a little bit more yourself if you're, if you're wandering up and down a little bit.
0: Yeah. No, Great. Brilliant. And any tips on that, you know, on those nerves. So if somebody has stood there for the very first time and the first few times, and they really have got the nerves kicking in, what can they do? It's,
1: it's the standard thing and and it's said so often in so many different ways whether whether you just had a shock or or whatever it might be it is doing those deep breaths and really taking slow deep breaths before you do it it gets the right kind of the right kind of vibes in you it'll slow the heart rate it'll it'll kind of make you a little bit less tingly and nervous and and, and it will sort of send to you as well uh, and i think that's that's the one thing i i would suggest but also just those sort of visualization techniques of, of just you know ahead of time it, just seeing yourself stepping into that Spotlight of just being great and and just visualizing how it would look if you ended up doing it, you know the the you know the the best you possibly could and and just being able to sort of step into that feeling and and, and that image uh, will will really help you along the way.
0: Yeah, they're great tips. The one that kind of reverberated with me and and probably still does sometimes if I'm nervous is you just it's just to stand there and actually remember. Somebody said to me, it's an old adage, but I remember them saying it to me is that the audience in front of you wants you to succeed. They're with you. They want to listen to you. That's why they're there. So, and actually if part of it is that you're nervous and it's coming across like that to begin with, then they're still with you. They still want to hear from you. Just, you know, um, breathe into it, as you say, and progress because the nerves will disappear as you start to present and start to tell your tale or convey your message.
1: You're absolutely right. And not only do they want you to succeed, uh, they probably, well, they definitely won't know what's going on in your head. Uh, I had an interesting situation where last week I was comparing the Yeovil uh, uh, Chamber Business Awards. And this is actually quite a, an experience for me because, you know, we're talking about the difference between online and in person. And actually, it was like a mini TV studio in the Yeovil Town Football Club. And there were some sponsors and there were some guests there but you're know, talking 8 10 12 all socially distanced and and it's a slightly different environment but equally you were presenting on camera to uh, sort of 300 plus businesses watching online to see if they'd won and there was a point halfway through where i announced the sponsor to come up and present the award and uh i'm sure he won't mind me saying he'd clearly just Spit off to the loo for 30 seconds, not knowing that his bit was was coming up. And I had 30, 50 seconds, a minute to fill. And I suddenly realized I had absolutely nothing. And in my head, I was kind of thinking, this is the most embarrassing thing. I am just fumbling around, sounding like I don't know what I'm talking about, just saying words (laughs) until he turns up. And then you look back on the video and you kind of go, actually, the panic was in my head the 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 what was going on was all in my head the, the overthinking was nobody could see that and actually what was coming out of my mouth was 80% decent you know and and, and the 20% that wasn't you know pitch perfect would have been perfectly understood because funnily enough the, the the guy who was supposed to appear at that point wasn't there so so the audience would be perfectly understanding of me not being playing my a game for that for that minute so it it, it it is amazing the amount of stuff that's going on in your head that people don't see because it is truly all in your head
0: yeah it is actually yeah i'm i'm thinking back to some of my own stories now and i'd completely agree with you rick rick it's been brilliant having you on the uh, evolve to succeed podcast i've taken away some hints and some tips myself, I'm sure our listeners have. If they want to learn more about Rick and Verbu, where can they go? We have a website, which is verbu,
1: V-E-R-B-U.co.uk. There's all kinds of stuff, like a free podcast consultation on there and an opportunity just to say hello and get involved in some of our training courses. You know, at the moment we're we're focusing on the podcasting side of things because this is a really exciting growing area at the moment. But equally, the whole public speaking thing is something we're very passionate about. And even if it's you're doing the best man speech at, um, at the wedding, then, uh, you know, be very, very happy to help. Equally, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, really trying to build up lots of connections there. It's something that I've only started really properly engaging in over the last few months. So if you want to search Rick, R-I-C-K Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-D-S, I'll be happy to click connect and would love to start the chat. Brilliant, Rick. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. I make that 40 minutes precisely. So well done us. I think that's the optimum level for a podcast. Well done us.
0: That's a pat on the back. (laughs) Thank you, Rick. Cheers. There is no doubt that radio men like Rick have an enviable ability to be perfectly articulate with their thoughts and keep you engaged and entertained from beginning to end. The ability to have conversations and communicate ideas is something we almost take for granted because we do it every day. But as Rick revealed in this podcast, at its heart, it's actually quite a really complex thing. And I thought there were some really interesting observations and ideas about communication, especially around eye contact and tone of voice. This is particularly pertinent in this strange new world where we're all learning to navigate where more of our conversations and interactions have become digital and somewhat faceless. If you want to gain further insightful content, details of our webinars and events when they can be held and inspiration then please do go to evolvemembers.com and register for free to become part of the Evolve community. You'll learn there more about the peer groups run by Evolve and if you're based in Paul or Bournemouth more about our co-working space located in Ashley Cross I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if so please do rate, review and subscribe to future episodes I look forward to you joining me again next week, thank you